me die. Let me die. Orphaned Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me is the woman who keeps me ahead in podcasting and without whom I'd have no body, Lydia. I've heard that song before. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't got nobody. Uh, I thought that was a, as good a pun as you're going to get for this uh, for this film. I thought I I... since our film had a Jan in the pan, I'd have a Lydia in the studio. But that didn't really oh, no, work. that's horrifying. <laughs> well, I snuck my quote in already. Let's see if you guys can identify it later on. <laughs> yes. Well, before we start, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and to remind anyone, if they haven't already, that you can listen and subscribe to this show by visiting Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. And I encourage you to please rate and review us at any of those outlets if it's possible. You can also just search for us in the podcast app of your choice and you'll find us. Join our Facebook group. Just search for Orphan Entertainment. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, just type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for Orphan Entertainment over there. And there you can watch many of the films that we've covered here on the podcast, and you'll probably get a little heads up on what film we're going to be covering next. All of these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. So, let's listen to a five-minute mystery and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we will discuss 1962's The Brain That Wouldn't Die. Another five-minute mystery. Keen Brown, Mike. I find it cheaper to hire him to play filling music than a full band. What do you do for entertainment when he's off the platform? There's a portable record player underneath the piano. Oh, yeah, I see it. One of those battery jobs. Yeah. We play dance music on it when Keen knocks off for intermission periods. Okay, Al, I'm sold. This cabaret of yours looks like a sound proposition. I'll buy it. Swell, Mike. I'll be back in just a few minutes. The contract's in my office. Okay, I'll tell Hey, hey, the lights are going out. There's an emergency switch in my office. I'll turn it on. Get back in a second. I'm Keen Brown. You wanted to see me? Yes, Mr. Brown. Uh, my name's Mike Evans. I'm just checking up on a few facts until the police get here. Sure. What can I do to help? Uh, this was payroll night for the employees here, wasn't it? Yeah, Al usually paid us off after closing. Well, you won't get paid tonight, Mr. Brown. Look at the safe. 
I'm not a detective, but it doesn't take an experienced eye to spot this whole thing as an inside job. How do you figure that out? Someone working here knew that Al had the weekly payroll in his office safe tonight. And only someone who was completely familiar with this cabaret would know the location of the light box. Then all you have to do, Mr. Evans, is to establish the position of every employee at the time Al was shot. That's right. Suppose I start with you. Me? No objections, I hope. After all, you've been here long enough to know how to turn off the electrical system for the entire building or to tell someone how to do it. Are you accusing me? No, I'm simply asking you where you were at the time the shot was fired. You know where I was. I was on the stand playing my electric organ so there wouldn't be any panic. That's right, I did hear you playing. Correct the first time. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think I've had enough of your amateur detective work. And there's nothing further you can do to help me? Nothing, except to call a policeman and get this murder solved. That won't be necessary, Mr. Brown. I know who the murderer is. Really? Who? You, Mr. Brown. You made your own confession. How does Mike Evans know that Keen Brown is the murderer? In just a moment, we'll know, but first... Hello, I'm Jeff Sandwich. You might not know me, barely anyone does, except my mother and her cocker spaniel, Alan. But I have listened to every single movie podcast that has ever been made. I don't get out much, and sometimes I have to make toilet in a bottle. What did he just say, Marjorie? However, having completed this exhaustive research, it is my assertion that the After Movie Diner podcast, with its heady mix of comedy, movie banter, fandom, passion, beards, music, and voluminous thighs is, in fact, the greatest movie podcast available anywhere, even Holland. Find the After Movie Diner podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and AfterMovieDiner.com. Now, where's that bottle? And now, back to our story. Brown, you admitted that the important clue in this case was to find where every employee of this cabaret was at the time the shot was fired. You claim to have been on the stand playing your electric organ. I heard the music, but whether I heard you, I don't know. I believe I heard your music coming from a record. A record on the player beneath the electric organ. You couldn't have been playing at the time the lights were out because the whole electrical system had been sabotaged. And to play an electric organ, you need electricity. Your speaker has to be plugged into an outlet. Right, I suppose. Brown, let's take up your suggestion. I'll call the police. There's been a murder. Wouldn't Die was shot as an independent film uh, produced by Rex Carlton and directed by Joseph Green, and it was picked up by American International and sold as a double bill along with Invasion of the Star Creatures. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot to say about this film or anyone who appears in the film, actually. they There's just not anything really of note. <laughs> there's a lot of TV credit, but just... TV credits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the star, Jason Evers, was a character actor who worked throughout the 60s, and after a brief stint on Broadway, or uh, excuse me, he worked throughout the 60s after a brief stint on Broadway. 
He did have his own series for about a year. In 1963, he starred as college professor Jason Howe in a 26-episode drama on ABC called Channing. And I knew I recognized him from somewhere and assumed it was another B picture or something like that. But it was actually from a 1968 Star Trek episode, Wink of an Eye, where he plays a hyper-accelerated alien who attempts to steal the Enterprise. Now, he has appeared in just about any long-running series you can think of at least once. And by the end of his his career, he collected nearly 120 credits, and he worked uh, well up into 1990, I think. Our star actress, who is the title character here, uh, Virginia Leith, I think is how you say it. L-E-I-T-H, would you say Leith? It'd be either Leith or Leith, but, you know, do you say Deborah Carr or Deborah Kerr? Will we ever know? (laughs) I'd say Leith. I'm going with Leith. But Virginia Leith has very few credits. She actually left acting after marrying in the early 60s, and she did return briefly in the 70s, but I think she only, maybe not even a dozen credits to her name. Even the producer and director have very few credits to their name. <laughs> Thank God. And uh, <laughs> if, if IMDB is to, believe, is to be believed, Rex Carlton actually committed suicide to escape the mob who he couldn't repay a loan uh, that he took t- in order to finance a film. No way. I did yeah. not read that part. Yeah. I Again, IMDb, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I see it. I just didn't catch it. <laughs> it's, it's the internet, so that may or may not be true. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know One, what Abraham Lincoln said. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. One standout credit to his name for me, though, he, he wrote this screenplay for the film Unearthly Stranger, which was produced and filmed in London, England, and released in 1963. It's a really well-done film. It's got a good script, and it's incredibly well shot. It's about a scientist who meets and quickly marries a woman who may not be all she appears to be. And you can kind of guess in what way from the title. It's really, <laughs> it's really cool. It's kind of like a, a sort of Outer Limits or Twilight Zone in movie form. Or like you know, like a story in movie form, but it was it was really good. I'm really impressed. I actually have that uh, DVD in my in my video collection. Oh, I'm gonna have to look that up. Unearthly, yeah. unearthly stranger. You said unearthly stranger. Yes, ma'am. Now, just a couple of factoids about this film. Obviously, it's a B picture to say the least. It's the <laughs> done on a very small and you know inexpensive budget there, but it has inspired a lot of. Um, or the the film actually inspired a couple uh, stage plays have been produced based on this film, and it has been picked up by a couple different um, distributors and put out on different DVD sets and everything. So it's one of those films that we'll get into whether it's good or not, but it keeps it stays in people's minds, I guess. <laughs> And it was covered by Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and it, it surprised me when you told me last month that you had not seen this film. <laughs> I figured you would have at least seen it on MST3K. I, I, I feel guilty to say this. I still haven't watched it on MST3K. And that's too <laughs> I really had thought about it. But, uh, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it is out there to be seen. <laughs> but yeah, I was very surprised that you hadn't heard of this film or hadn't seen this film uh, until we watched until for you know this episode here mm-hmm. today. Well, I, I mean that's it. That's all I really have about 
the film or the uh, the people in it. Um, did you have anything? Did you come up with anything? No, no. And actually, I was a little amused to see. It seemed like this movie killed a lot of careers. <laughs> yes. um, like the top four build actors in it didn't, you know, the main guy went on to do some TV. The main lady did a few more things. And then everybody else kind of just didn't do anything afterwards almost. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into, as you said, we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, I think we'll have more to say on that when we get to like our closing thoughts and stuff yes so let's go ahead and start talking about the brain that wouldn't die the film opens in an operating room with a doctor uh, performing some sort of brain surgery and he loses the patient I should have known he was as good as dead when they wheeled him in you did everything possible, everything you could, Dr. Cooley. Everything. Everything except save my patient. Another doctor, who apparently is the first doctor's son, doesn't think that it's a lost cause. He wants a crack at it. What harm can he do? The man's <laughs> already dead. Reluctantly, the elder doctor lets his son take over. The young doctor has his dad uh, massage the man's heart while he handles the brain area. And I got a kick out of the uh, <laughs> the surgery acting yeah. from the from the elder doctor. <laughs> if you can call it acting. Yes. <laughs> if I massaged a heart that way, I'm pretty sure it would be tender enough to cook on the oh. grill. <laughs> yes. Well, even before he gets to that, you know, the camera kind of comes in so it's tight so you don't see the body below him, but he does these incredibly over-exaggerated hand movements <laughs> where he raises his arm way up over his head and, like, dives down into the into the man's <laughs> chest. I'm like, what is he you doing? You have to be careful not to bump the sides or the little beeper <laughs> yeah. goes off. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. He's playing Operation. It takes a steady hand because if you touch the sides... Keep massaging the heart. I am, I am. These electric shocks should stimulate the motor area enough to innovate the heart again. Then he won't need any external stimuli. Keep away from the motor area. You'll paralyze him for good. Which would you rather be, paralyzed or dead? I'll try to play God. Some choices are not yours to make. When the obstetrician has to decide which to save the mother or the child, who plays God then? It's part of the game. The game? Better paralyzed than dead. Yeah, it's all part of the game. <laughs> That's how I look at my job. <laughs> mm -hmm. After a few minutes, the patient's pulse and breathing returned stronger than ever. The procedure worked. Stronger than ever. Before he had this accident or injury or whatever it is that put him in the <laughs> yeah. hospital. Yeah, it is stronger an interesting line. It actually comes from one of the nurses. It's stronger than... Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe she says stronger than before, but I thought she said stronger than ever, but I could be mistaken. I actually think you're right. The father admits that the son performed a miracle. He doesn't approve his methods, but he's proud of the result. Later, as the patient is wheeled out of the, out of the operating room, the dad reiterates his opinion that what happened was too risky. The son thinks his dad has lost the drive to experiment and explore. Come on, dad, get with the jive. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's not young enough to use that kind of language. But... No, neither one. <clears throat> uh, dad doesn't think he should be exploring on people. And yeah. I get a big kick that you know, they just finished surgery. 
they apparently did brain surgery. They opened up a man's chest. The guy massaged his heart. There is not a drop of blood on their yeah. glove or smocks. <laughs> also, there are no sound effects at all during no. this. There's no monitor in the background. There's no breathing sound. There's no squishing when he's, you know, massaging the heart. Uh, when, when they use some electrical probes on the brain, there's no zapping sound. You just see the pin jump. Yeah, you and really <laughs> think they'd have something going on in that room. <laughs> yes. I don't even think when they go in to like wash their hands, you don't even hear the water running. And <laughs> that's very, any- <laughs> very likely. <laughs> Who needs water? <laughs> There's more to surgery than just being a carpenter to patch up walls or a plumber to drain pipes. Our bodies are capable of adjusting in ways we've hardly dreamt of. If we can only find the key. I'm so close now, so very close. The key to what? Complete transplantations. To be able to transplant limbs and organs. To be able to replace diseased and damaged parts of the body as easily as we replace eye corneas now. So that the new parts will join together as though they were born there. Can't be done. A nurse comes in and the two men stop their argument. It turns out that this is the this nurse is the younger doctor, who we find out is Bill. This is his fiance, Jan. I'm so proud of you, I could kiss you. Promises, huh? Always promises. <laughs> Careful, your father's liable to report us. <laughs> Stop the floor show. When you two are married, it won't be fun to watch anymore. Well, I can promise you one thing. Your grandchildren won't be test tube babies. <laughs> that is one of the creepiest things ever said by a father. <laughs> <clears throat> Who wrote that? What? <laughs> the same person that wrote the rest of this script wrote that. <laughs> Just the early taste of what's to come. Yes. <laughs> well, Bill suggests that his dad had better hurry. A medical conference in Denver can't start without him. Yeah, Denver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jan goes to double check on the reservations, and Dad lets Bill know that he, that he can't cover for Bill anymore. Apparently, Bill has been stealing limbs from the amputee operations. I love it. He says that some people are starting to think it was you, as if he doesn't know it was. And Bill's like, right. so what? I yeah, need them. What, <laughs> what if it is? Yeah, I like the, like, what if it is me? And I need them for my experiment. <laughs> so it is you. Okay. And there's no comment on it after that. No, no, what? Why are you, you can't do that. He's just like, oh, I should have closed down that creepy house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dad, I don't think you care quite as much about your son as you're pretending. <laughs> yeah. Jan returns and lets Dad know that all the reservations are set up and okay. Well, what have you two planned for the weekend? Oh, nothing much. It's a quiet weekend. You sure you're not going up to the country house? You're always sneaking off up there. This place gives me the creeps. I, I should have sold it when your mother died. You can't sell that place. Well, I mean, it's nice to get away from the city. I can work without anyone snooping around. You spend too much time up there. All right, I'll, uh, I'll see you both in a few days. Got to clean up and get out of here. Really weird when they, they bring up the country house and then they're like, you spend too much time there. I should have sold it when your mother died. It's creepy. I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Settle I, down, everybody. <laughs> I think maybe Dad has like a little bit of trouble concentrating. <laughs> 
he maybe you know he doesn't follow through with i the, uh, i know we're going to talk about it in a bit but this is a good example of some of the shortcomings of the script yes yes yeah if you want to say that dad has a little trouble concentrating it's kind of like yeah it's no wonder he maybe he lost his patient yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's gotta feed the dog oh i'm in the operating room oops, <laughs> yes, oops. <laughs> oh i wasn't supposed to leave that inside the body cavity <laughs> <laughs> as bill and jan are on their way out another nurse stops him and tells bill that a phone call came in earlier and it sounded very urgent a man named Kurt called from the country place and, some, and said something terrible had, had happened. Bill decides it's time to show Jan what has kept his weekend so busy, and they take her car and head to the country house. Jan, something terrible has happened. Why don't you come have a look? Right. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> really. Bill. <laughs> Bill. Bill speeds along the country roads going faster and faster. He blows through a stop sign and loses control on a tight curve. The car crashes and he is thrown from the convertible and sent sprawling down a hill. Fortunately, it's a soft, grassy knoll. So <laughs> Bill doesn't seem to sustain any injury from this. Or he does. It's kind of hard to tell from his the way he kind of holds his emotion. He gets up and kind of looks and is like, is that pain? Is that shock? Uh, <laughs> he is holding his side for a few minutes. There's a little bruise on his cheek, you know. Yeah. But that could have been from Jan smacking him when he said to stop asking questions. You never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think, I think he sped up really because Jan was asking too many questions. He runs to the car, and in the flaming wreckage, we see Jan's hand briefly reaching out, then collapse, just as Bill reaches for her. Reaches for her. He looks into the car and is ever so briefly horrified, and he then throws his coat in and bundles something into it. He takes the bundle and runs off, leaving the car to burn. I'm just, if you could see me right now, I am just shaking my head. <laughs> it's, there's, ah, there's so much potential drama in this moment, and a hundred percent of it does not get communicated. That's not fair. The, there's, the way that the scene is provided, you're, you know there's something horrible going on, but it's just like rushed through. It's kind of like, oh, there's something horrible. I'm just going to grab this thing real quick and run away. Yeah, the the time that he spends looking horrified, it, it, it's the same amount of time you, that you look horrified in your face when you realize you stepped in something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's that is exactly accurate. Oh, uh, better grab this. Oh thing well, again. I'll just wipe it off. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're running through the woods. Bill makes his way to the country house. Kurt lets him in. After a, an epic struggle to get up the stairs in front of the house, which is probably the longest shot in this whole sequence. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, he does do that. He goes up three steps and it's kind of like, oh, it's I can't like, go oh, any I further. I can't go. I just ran across a woodland area up a street and then I went up three steps and I cannot continue. But, oh, yes, I can. Oh, no, 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 no I can't. No, those two last steps <laughs> got me. Oh. <laughs> it, it almost feels like they were filming one scene and they kept all three, you know, all the, all takes in yeah. or something. <laughs> they needed to lengthen the movie. Uh -huh. <laughs> Matt, what's happened to you? A terrible accident. I've got to save her. I've got to save her. What is it? What have you got there? Kurt, please. Sterilize the tubes and instruments quickly. What are you going to do? Aren't you going to have a look in the closet first? No, I can't now. This is more important. 
But you don't understand. Look out, take care of this, Do as I tell you before it's too late. I can't waste much time arguing with you. Medical montage uh, ensues. Uh, beakers are poured. Tubes are filled. Flasks are heated. And clamps are clamped. Clamped. <laughs> <laughs> All of this culminates in the reveal of Jan's severed head sitting upright in a pan of goo. Jan in the pan. Kurt and Bill are looking over Bill's handiwork when Jan begins to speak. I am not the Bill decides that since he can do other transplants, he can do the same for her. He will get her another body. Like you do. Even Kurt thinks this is all a really bad idea. <laughs> Even Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, Kurt. <laughs> though he actually thinks a little bit more theologically. You know, what of her soul? The spirit is in her brain and heart, not one or the other. Bill still intends to go through with it. Despite Kurt's misgivings, brought on by his own experience of his transplanted arm that is withered and useless. I think they mentioned at this point she's only going to last 48 to 50 hours. Right. So there's yes, a there bit is of a, a time rush. limit. Yes. Yes, Kurt's arm was an old experiment that failed. This time, Bill will use his new adrenaline serum. Before Bill leaves, Kurt begs him to look in the closet. That is why he called Bill there in the first place. Bill goes to a padlocked door and opens a small uh, inset door and peers inside. He is horrified at something that is making snarling and guttural noises. He slams the small door shut and checks that all the locks are secure. He tells Kurt that he can't worry about that right now. He has to find Jan a body. When Kurt asks how he's going to do that, Bill just replies... There are ways. Ways. <laughs> there are now, ways. How in the world does Bill not know what's in the closet? I, this is like a this is like a seven moment where he's looking. What's in the closet? And he <laughs> opens it. He's like, oh, it's so dramatic. I mean, he's more horrified by what's in the closet than seeing his dead girlfriend's severed head in the front of the car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and isn't. This is his house. Doesn't he know? Yeah, it's. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's supposed to be his experiment. <laughs> Apparently, the experiment mutated beyond what it looked like before. I, I don't know. Sort of like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the ways to find a body, apparently, uh, is by window shopping at a local club. Is it a strip club or is it not? I suppose it's a dancer club. I was thinking it, 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 I was thinking gentlemen's club, but it seemed like there was club, lots yeah. of couples. That sounds, there's already, oh, but there's yeah. a lot of couples there. So it's like, well, that's kind of an odd thing for a gentleman's club. So maybe it's just a bar and they just happen to have a floor a show floor that's a little show. risque. Yeah. I, I don't know. I love how this opens, though, with Bill checking out the, the cutout, the, the, the life-size figure. Yeah, I think the place is figure. called like... The place is called like Moulin Rouge or something like that, yeah. and so I, I don't know. And here's this great cardboard cutout of this very bombshell. <laughs> bombshell is a good word for it, and he's kind of leering at it. Mm -hmm. And this is where the movie takes a turn for the dark. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. 
Yeah, this is pretty much where if if you had any fondness for Bill, this is where it starts <laughs> disappearing quickly. Or the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill sits at the bar and watch and watches a woman seductively dance and chats up another girl after the show. Back at the lab, we see a meter attached to Jan is becoming increasingly active. At the club, the dancer has been flirting with Bill and invites him to the dressing room. He follows. What took you so long? What made you think I'd come? You know a good thing when you see it. Yeah, there was plenty to see. I liked your act. Is it all you liked? Well, your costume, what there was of it, was interesting. Is that all? The rest of the equipment is standard. But, uh... The arrangement is pretty special. Uh, I don't know what happened with the uh, recording equipment in this film when they get into that dressing room. It's echoey. Oh, my God. It's terrible. It's really echoey. I should have pulled this up. I meant to pull this up. I think this film is available on Amazon Prime, and I should have picked it up to see if there were subtitles because some of the audio is so bad. It's kind of like I, I'm really not sure what you're saying. On the other hand, some <laughs> of the dialogue is so bad that it's almost a blessing. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. In case you didn't notice, I'm a little harsh on this film. <laughs> uh, back in the lab, Jan begins to wake up. Back at the uh, club. <laughs> <laughs> and it literally is like that. <laughs> back at the lab, back at the club. The dancer is all but throwing Bill's arms around her. She is selling, and Bill seems to be buying. The girl that he was chatting with before the dancer showed back up storms into the room. The two girls start snarking at each other, and all the attention isn't what Bill was looking for, so he beats a hasty retreat. And there's that great line about the, the ladies are like, well, why don't you come back later? I'll remember you. I'll remember like, you. That's these... what I'm worried about. <laughs> the, uh, these women. <laughs> yes. This this uh, this movie wasn't yeah. written by a woman. <laughs> Unfortunately, the scene doesn't end with Bill leaving the room. <laughs> And we are subjected to watching the two girls catfighting. Scantily clad women catfighting, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> the scene finally closes with a shot of two cat-shaped wall paintings and the, a sound, meow. It's, it's just drive it home a little bit more uh, what we're 60s. watching. <laughs> yes. In the lab, Jan has regained consciousness and calls to the creature in the closet. Ew. Thank you. 
Assistant Kurt overhears their conversation, or at least the creature's knocking. Jan begins to plot revenge for what Bill has done to her. Leaving her just a brain has apparently unlocked a power within her, some sort of psychic power that the creature can feel. Kurt finally checks on the lab, and Jane fans unconsciousness until he's right up to the closet door. A hard knock frightens him, and Jan laughs maniacally. Jan begins to talk to Kurt and asks about her new friend. What's locked behind that door? Horror. No normal mind can imagine. Something even more terrible than you. No, my deformed friend. Like all quantities, horror has its ultimate. And I'm that. There is a horror beyond yours. And it's in there. Locked behind that door. Even worse than you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I was referring to Jan. Not no, I know. <laughs> no, I was speaking for Jan. I was a little surprised she wasn't like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Kurt explains that the creature is a culmination of lifeless, amputated limbs and discarded body parts. Bill's serum brought it to life. Kurt himself has been a subject of repeated experiments, one arm after another. He was once a surgeon himself and had hoped Bill could help him. He has stayed with him in the hope that someday he might still. Jan realizes that that is what Bill was hoping to do to her, to transplant her to another body. His new serum will keep the body parts from rejecting each other. That serum is what is being pumped with blood, with the blood that is keeping her alive. That serum, Jan figures, is what has given her the psychic connection to the creature. She uses that connection to freak out Kurt some more by having the beast bang on the door again. <laughs> I mean, you know, who of us, if we had psychic powers, wouldn't use them to freak people out with random knocking? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Whoever, whatever you are, I command you. You understand me. I'm only a head. And you're whatever you are. Together we're strong. More powerful than any of them. Kurt runs off as the locks in the door strain against the creature's pressure. Upstairs, Kurt runs into Bill, who has come home from uh, shopping. <laughs> Ogling. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt warns Bill that what is downstairs may be out of his control, but Bill waves that off as there is nothing he can't handle. And he's tired from a night of woman shopping and heads to bed. <laughs> and that really is what it is. It really yes. is woman. And, and, oh, yeah, woman shopping. Yes. Again, we'll get to some of this in our final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, he strikes off early and cruises the streets. He spots a woman he knows and pulls over. Donna, as luck would have it, she's on her way to a beauty contest. He makes up an excuse that he needs to stop at his place first, but he'll give her a ride. Things look to be going his way until another woman, a friend of Donna's, happens to stop by. She's heading to the contest too, and she asks for a ride. 
Bill tells the two that, you know what, his stuff can wait, and they'll just go straight to the contest. We see the uh, five finalists at this beauty contest, and Bill's creepy glares. <laughs> we see long, oh. pointed shots of these five contestants. He reminds me. He he reminds me of like the uh, the old cartoon with like the wolf. You, you, yes, it's you just you need like the eyes poking out. And, yeah. <laughs> the leering gets to be quite a bit much. <laughs> a little over, a little overdone, maybe. I think if a man leered at me like that, I would literally run. <laughs> it's, it's quite creepy. He, you could almost see the drool on his cheek. Yes, it, not they, exaggerating. Yes, yes, it's really bad. Donna comments on one of the contestants. She has the second nicest body I've ever seen. The second to you? No, another girl, figure model. You remember that one in school years ago, the one who had the accident. Oh yeah, yeah, Doris. Uh... Doris Powell. Yeah, she's still around. Few people see her nowadays. She just stays in her studio posing for art classes and camera books. Well, we hear Bill's thoughts, that he thinks this Doris is the one. It has to be. He can only keep Jan alive for a few more hours. Well, Jan can apparently hear his thoughts as well, or at least get get an impression of them. She knows that he intends to kill somebody, and she tells her mysterious friend that they have to stop him. Back on the prowl, Bill drops in on Doris's studio. She's posing in a bikini for some photographers. He has a seat and waits for the uh, class to leave. (laughs) He watches as she gives one of the guys a good brush off. Say, Doris, would you like to have a drink with me? Just you and me, away from everybody, someplace where nobody will butt in with. You and I can really be alone. No, thank you. How about posing for me? Private like. I'll pay you real money, real good money. Kind of money they don't throw at you every day. And for doing hardly nothing at all. I do my posing for classes only, Wednesdays and Saturdays, 8 to 10. Yeah. Oh, but we can... Good night. That was actually maybe some of the better dialogue in the yes. film right there. She sees Bill and tells him, next time, bring a camera and buy a ticket. He introduces himself, or actually reintroduces himself, and she remembers him, but apparently not too fondly. Did you get the impression that maybe we find out that she has had some history with men, and you almost get the impression that maybe he played a part in her meeting someone that ended up kind of doing her wrong? Well, she definitely says, uh, at one point she says, you almost tore that wise guy apart for making fun of me after my accident. So oh, okay. clearly she, you know, he has done her a service in the past, and I think oh, he okay. references Thank it later. You. Okay, I but, completely missed that. That's, yeah. see, that's what I was saying, where some of the dialogue, some of the audio is it's so bad. It's a little bad. tough. But I th- it almost, I, from her body language, I almost got the impression that back in college when they met, she could have been into him, mm-hmm. but maybe resented that he wasn't there until after her accident, which we are never quite filled in on. No, not entirely. Okay, I'm glad you you, you caught it, because I didn't. I, I listened, and I couldn't quite make out what she said. <laughs> yeah. She definitely is blaming all men for what happened to her accident. Right, right. You know, for her accident. She says, I don't date men, which made me, yeah, the second oh, yeah. watching, let I me, thought, do you date women? But yeah, let me <laughs> she get doesn't to that. specify. He asks if they can go somewhere and talk, but she tells him flatly that she doesn't date men. In fact, she hates all men. She trusted a man once all the way. 
and she pulls back her hair to reveal uh, what that got her, a large scar on the side of her face. Bill tells her that he doesn't find her ugly. She has a great body and a face that can be made beautiful again. She's heard that all before, but says the scar and it says that the scar tissue is too deep. He says, oh, that was years ago. They can do all kinds of new things now. He eventually convinces her to let him help her. He tells her his father is a great plastic surgeon, and he's visiting at the country house. He could take her there right now for a consultation. She agrees to go and starts to call her girlfriend to share the news. But he dissuades her from telling anyone until they find out exactly what you know father has to say. Bill tells her to just leave a note. He passes her a notepad over the changing screen, and she writes one out. And when she passes it back, he puts the note in his pocket and leaves a blank sheet of paper on the table, and the two leave. At the lab, Jan is getting the creature to continue his barrage on the door, encouraging him to escape. And if you want to find out what happens in the last 18 minutes of this film, (laughs) you're going to have to watch it yourself. Uh, You were talking about the... uh, you know the the model here. I don't date men. Well, I mean, it's she says it. She's leaving it for a girlfriend. Now you could take that innocent as just being her girlfriend. You <laughs> no, know, no, I her just roommate. took that as her female friend. Yeah. No, I I think maybe there was definitely not so subtle lesbian undertone there. No, interesting. I didn't think of it that way, but I I tend to take things at face value. I don't mm. at face value. <laughs> Sorry, Doris. <laughs> no, I actually found that, I mean, if you take it my way, I actually thought, whoa, that's actually pretty progressive for a yeah. 1962 film. Yeah, I agree. Now, this film, talk about also progressive. There was a cut of this film that was made for European audiences that is different than the one that I'm sure you watched and the one that we've d- discussed here today, mm-hmm. and which includes uh, an extended and an alternate scene. Oh. The cat fight is extended, apparently. Oh, well, good. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually see Doris posing in the nude <gasps> in the European cut. Wow. Yeah, very different. Yes, and so we, there is actually topless nudity so interesting that yeah. I mean, it was interesting as far as when these guys shot this film they obviously had just the distribution in the different areas in mind yes and knowing full well that the nudity wouldn't fly here in the states right uh very interesting it, it, that's kind of one of the things that kind of bothers like okay these guys actually apparently had some smarts about them you know they shot what they knew they needed to shoot so they weren't incompetent filmmakers. Right. But the film, and this could be AIP. This could have been because American International took whatever they shot, and then, of course, they did their own cuts. And you, you kind of wonder, it's kind of like, I would really be curious to see what the finished product before AIP got a hold of it mm-hmm. really was. Yes. Because there are things about this film that you go, okay, this is not incompetent filmmaking. Mm-hmm. There's actually some pretty smart and pretty clever. Well, I won't say the special. Clever, well, the special but, effects in it for the era are actually quite good. There was a yeah. moment where I thought, how did they, how did they show the back of her head and his legs in the same time? There weren't green screens then. And then I went, oh duh. 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> but, you know, it gives you that moment of, oh, wow, like you can see under the table where his legs yeah, are and yeah. she's in the tray on top. You know, it certainly is enough to at least, you know, be believable. Yeah. See, I that was one of the things I think, OK, that's really smart. They're actually kind of they're acting like they're like showing off a magic trick. You know, yes, like, look, exactly. there's nothing under here. But yeah. it's obvious. But it's obvious they're using a mannequin head and they're showing the legs. You know, you only see under the table when it's from behind. Right. Exactly. But it's still done. Or, well, I, I take it back. You do actually see under the table, but it's a long shot. So right. she could still be unconscious and a mannequin head. Yes. Um, but they do that in the manner that you would do it if you were trying to show off like some sort of magic trick yes. or something. See, yes. our legs are moving. Can't you yeah. see our chairs? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which is very effective because it does kind of take you that split second to go, whoa, how did they? Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and there are many that consider this the first gore horror. There, there are a couple of parts in it that... One that we haven't covered yet, but there's a remarkable amount of blood. Yes. Um, at one point. Well, the whole idea of the fact that Jan is there in her pan yes. of blood. <laughs> you know, uh, it, if this were in color, this would be a little, you know, kind of queasy to sit there and look at. probably wouldn't have gotten out. Yeah, exactly. Certainly yeah. not in this era. Yeah, it'd be another, what, six years before uh, Romero comes up with Night of the Living Dead, which mm -hmm. really changed things for horror. Mm -hmm. um, so this was six years before that, and yeah. I think it was kind of a little ahead of its time as far as that goes. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, it's interesting. There are uh, there's some things about this that I noted, well, I looked into. So, you know, we kind of think this whole idea of transplants and stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, that's not that big of a deal. Um, but it's worth mentioning this year that this movie was made was the first whole hip replacement surgery that was ever successful. Interesting. <clears throat> um, the first kidney transplant from a cadaver happened this year. It wasn't until the next year that a human body part from a living human was transferred into another human successfully. And that was a kidney transplant from a brain dead donor. Um, so the first liver transplant happened the next year. The first lung transplant happened the next year. There were all of this that they're talking about in this movie hadn't happened ever before. Right. So, you know, where he's talking about transplanting a hand successfully and all this stuff, at this time, I mean, that would be like somebody making a movie about the speed of light and then us achieving it next right. year. You know, so this is pretty advanced science fiction that they're working with right here. Oh, and yes. And, and and it won't be too much longer when some well, all these transplants start happening mm -hmm. and you get like the liver transplant and then uh, you get up to like the, the heart transplant and everything. There yes. were there's other films. There was a horror and science fiction kind of had that finger on the pulse of like, OK, what's kind of bothering people right now? Mm -hmm. And yeah. there there's many films that in the late 60s and through the mid 70s that deal with the idea of transplants and uh then you start getting into cloning and you know using the, <laughs> the body word, parts for yeah the stuff word and, clone was coined in 1963 nobody had used the word cloning yet when this right. movie was made so it's amazing to to we look at it and go oh you know it's kind of cheesy and there's this stuff going on and yeah the special effects there are moments where they're really good and there are moments where they're really bad right but it is still these are these are all pretty new concepts, and they yeah. wouldn't have been familiar to the average person at all. 
So but this it, really is horror. This is true horror for its era. Uh, oh, absolutely. And like I was saying, maybe just a little bit ahead of its time because mm-hmm. the, the big sort of fear of the whole idea of transplants and stuff a few years down the road uh, really started hitting the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, uh, the, mar- the general the mass mind. market. Yeah. The mass market. Yeah, there you go. Good good way to say it. <laughs> well, it is a, there. Uh, another thing that I... <laughs> That I found. Well, there are a whole bunch of things. I've got such a list of things to talk about with this movie. I don't always. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> um, I love that this is unrelated, but I love that when he's trying to get Doris to come over, of course, you know, he tells her plastic surgery has made all this advancement. Of course, it hadn't at that time. But at one point he says, I'm going to make your face beautiful. Cut it off and give your body away. And she totally is just like, ah, that's awesome. Yes. (laughs) He does that actually a couple times. He's like, I'm going to be completely honest with you because you're not going to believe it. (laughs) You're not going to believe me. (laughs) But at the time, you know, yeah, we... (laughs) The movie Face Off didn't exist. Nobody would have believed him. So, uh, so it's, it's well, disturbingly enough, around this time, I want to say around this time, or maybe a few years later, there were experiments that scientists performed with like chimpanzees and bonobos, replacing their heads, transplanting their heads onto yeah. and onto bodies. Like, that trying to put really. Like a- did happen. They, yeah, they would take like a sheep's head and and graft it onto a full living sheep, and I think that one lived for like two days before both parts yeah. of it died. Um, she and she says at one point, Jan says that it's impossible to attach another body to my head. My uh, my immune system would reject it, would attack mm-hmm. it the way that it would attack any intrusive element. Right. And I mean, the fact that they brought that up in this movie, you know, like it is very, it's sort of scientific. They have some good facts in there. The the experiments with the uh, bonobos and the chimpanzees are even a little bit more disturbing because they were actually taking like two chimpanzees, cutting the head off both, discarding one body and putting the, you know, the opposite head on to see effectively just to see what would happen. And of course, what you end up with is a paralyzed uh, simian that lives for like two or three days and then dies. It's just... So I love it that early on his Bill's dad says this needs to be tested properly and thoroughly on mice and monkeys. (laughs) And and I love it because of course in 1962 everybody's like, yeah, you gotta test it on these animals. Now we're like ah! (laughs) But back then it was like this is the best we have at our disposal. Uh, But I mean they, they were already actually doing that horrifically (laughs) they actually were i did not research pictures of that because i thought no 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 you know so if you guys want to find something really horrific go ahead and look up those actual (laughs) those actual oh my goodness head transplants so that's like i guess that's part of what makes this movie so effective is the concept of just being ahead (laughs) while we make jokes about the phrasing stop while you're ahead and all that is actually pretty horrific. Yes, absolutely. And I think Kurt is the one that says at one point, he says, you're completely helpless. You have no power. And she says, I'll show you what power I have. And the creature knocks, you know, but the reality is, yeah, I mean, you've got no power in that situation. Yeah, I (laughs) I forget how he puts it, but he actually says that there, there isn't a force in the world that 
isn't against you. you know, yes. I mean, like gravity, wind, rain. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have no control over any of mm-hmm. it. You, or per, you have no protection from any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of, unfortunately, Kurt's, some of Kurt's dialogue is as clunky as anyone else's in this film. But I actually like Kurt. <laughs> I think he gives one of the best performances. Actually, here's the tragedy, I think. I think Kurt's performance is pretty reasonably decent. Um, Jan is, as much as it's dated just by virtue of the film style of, of the era, you really get into her dialogue. I yeah. mean, she definitely draws you in and makes you feel, you know, first her her frustration and then her venom. Mm-hmm. And even Doris, you know, she's a little bit two-dimensional, but she is passionate about what she says, and you believe her. Oh, and yeah. The tragedy is, even though you have these really interesting and good characters, I can't say Jan initially is interesting, but, you know, once she's just ahead, she is. Right. Um, then the main character in this is just so flat and so overdone. It's mm. like if they had, I almost feel like if they had, if they had made two changes, one, if they had brought in somebody that wasn't so much of a caricature, mm-hmm. it would have definitely helped. And the thing that really bothered me the most about this movie is it seemed like an excuse to show long drawn out shots of women's bodies, Yes, which I don't, I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, it's so offensive to show women's bodies. No, that's not the the deal. The problem is there's so much of it that it feels like really, they just made this movie so that she could show a bunch of shots of women. They could have made any subject matter where they just showed a whole bunch of shots of women, but they took this concept that really is a horror concept Mm-hmm. And even though the part of the terror of it is the idea that a man would go out hunting for a person just for the sake of their body so he could chop their head off, which is really horrific. And, you know, movies now cover that type of subject and we are terrified. It just doesn't feel like that's what's going on for a lot of it. It doesn't feel like he's really dangerous and he's out there to get some woman and kill her. It feels like he's leering at some women. Yeah. <laughs> and you it's like, feel like... Honestly, you're watching this film, the way he acts, the way he treats the women, the way he leers at them. It's like, this has really given him an excuse to do something he's already thought about yes, doing. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and at one point... I, I after, love you, Jan, but in my head I'm thinking... Yeah, hmm. I wish you had a better body. Yeah. And and it, at one point, before, like the first time I watched it, after the first time I had watched it, or during, I thought... I think he sped up in that car intentionally to get in an accident so he could actually change her head to a better body. (laughs) And, you know, the second time I watched it, he says, oh, I got to hurry up to get there in time. But you kind of have the feeling through the whole thing that now this was really just the means to an end. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is premeditated. You get you get the feeling that really he'd be looking for any excuse. Yes. Oh, st- oh ouch! I stubbed my toe. You don't want to. You want to change your body? You need. You, you might need a new body. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, she she tripped. She fell down the stairs. I was. Yeah. I happened to be standing behind her, but I couldn't catch her. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like ah, it, the whole movie is that way. Where it really, it you're exactly right. It feels like. It was always the intention to change yes. her body. And he's not even – she says, I just – whenever I'm near you, I want to touch you. And he says, yeah, maybe in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, like, see, that's the that – <laughs> this movie is just a contradiction in and of itself because, yeah, you get the impression that these two are remaining chaste 
You know, they're not <laughs> fooling around with each other. Yeah. She, yeah, she she says that. She's like, I, I, I just, I want you. We Let's get married now. I just, I, I really want you. And like, oh, in a few weeks. So like, okay, so they haven't been together. Yes. But the way he acts, he acts like he's just looking to play the field. And you know, it's like. <laughs> it's just creepy. So and it's then it, and, the, and the women that he's choosing. Are women that slinky, very slinky women, very slinky women who are probably not as uh, pure as a driven snow. So it's like <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. If they're getting cat fights over strangers in a barroom right. floor, yeah, yeah. It's where is like, where where are your priorities here, Bill? Yes. I don't understand you at all. <laughs> he's so weird, and he's constantly the weirdest part to me. And I mean it. I, I don't think this is just a female attitude. The weirdest part to me is he's not like, I'm going to find you a body, whatever it takes. He's like, I'm going to find you the perfect body. Yes, it's not exactly. like I'm going to find you a strong body or I'm going to find you the healthiest person I can. He's like, I'm going to find you a hot body. Or the, first like, per- or the first woman I come across yes. and I can just wrap across the head and, dra- right. and throw in my trunk. Anything yeah. to get you back where, where you know I believe you need to be. No, instead it's like, now nah, we got to find a hot one. Yeah. <laughs> Why? You know, it's really interesting. There's something you said, too. You're talking about that Jan, uh, once she's ahead, you know, because she actually probably is a, a better actress. Doris is very powerful in what she does. The most interesting characters in this film are the, are all women, mm-hmm. but yet the film treats all the women as just objects of desire. Yes, it's so bizarre. It is. I absolutely agree. I feel like the writer who, you know, we know is male, which may or may not have anything to do with this, but I feel like the the writer wanted to show that women have an interesting side, but it's almost like it's almost like they felt like the movie wouldn't be popular if they didn't just show a lot of women's bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, like they could have they could have done the exact same thing but rather than him ogling women, you know, him stalking women, it sounds horrible. I'm not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Movie stalking women. Um, you know, it, they didn't have to have short skirts on. They didn't have to be wearing bikinis in a beautiful body contest. He right. could have been anywhere. Um, you know, he could have, but instead, he, you know, he could have been looking for somebody that was helpless or sick or something. But instead, he they went to the point of making sure they had lots of hot women in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they have this, like they intended to have it be a movie about how women can be, you know, tough or strong. But then they were like, nah, won't sell in Hollywood unless, you know, their bodies. Right. Or... You- you know, you don't know how many hands went into the went into the pot here. Yes. Uh, did someone have an idea? Did the, the the writer come up with this story that was a true horror story with some really great themes, really dark and interesting themes, mm-hmm. which are just scraped to, or just kind of touched on in this film? And then someone else came along and went, "Yep, great script. Now let's bring in the women." Wait, yes, what, yes. Yeah, what what women? How many? We don't know. We only need. We just have Jan. We just Jan. We only the need Doris. We only need yeah. Jan and Doris. But we have a whole bunch of others because we want to, you know, add that little. And bit. now the beauty contest. Wait, wait, beauty. What contest? beauty contest? <laughs> yeah. I don't see that in the script. I, oh, I added it last. Yeah, night. I added. Yeah, yeah. and beca- and because it's added, those those scenes are added. It, it you can't take it like a serious film. It's just too too much drawn out ridiculous sexism not and not sexism from the sense of being anti-feminine but from the sense of it just being 
trying too hard to be sexy and failing. Yeah, it's just you. It's disappointing because as silly as the the idea is, this actually could be a good early '60s horror film. There's so much potential for it, and the dialogue that they have, some of the conversations that Jan and Kurt have, are like, "Wow, yeah, that's really deep." And then the idea that by losing every other ability, you could possibly have this, you know, huge surge in uh, being psychic. That's like. Wow, that's really interesting. Why didn't they say they kept showing the radio that she was plugged into every time that she could hear what was going on? Why didn't they talk about that some more? I mean, they could have talked about that some more. They could have talked some more about, you know, the creature behind there or why she could understand it, you know, which I, they probably covered that pretty well. Um, but instead, they kind of glossed and, and exchanged yeah. that for a beauty Body beautiful con body beautiful contest body beautiful <laughs> body beautiful contest that's what it's called yeah <laughs> so yeah it's I think that's the biggest disappointment is that it has so much potential in the story and it fails to take advantage of it yep yeah, absolutely uh, it's just it's it's a it's an odd one <laughs> <laughs> it, is. It, it is one of those where I would love to see somebody take this and make it a good movie. Because there, well, there is somebody doing a remake of it now. Oh, it's dear. In, it is in, <laughs> but I don't know. It's in post production. So, really? but I don't know if they are a serious filmmaker or an a serious, or, or are they going to like ramp up the yes. camp, or is it just going to be? Yeah, is it just going to be more bathing beauties or? Oh dear God, no! I yeah. hope not. <laughs> it's 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 in the twenty teens now. Now you don't have to have them in bikinis. Now the nudity will sell here in the U.S. Yeah. and probably actually sell more. Oh, man, so uh, yeah, it looks like an Indiegogo. I I wasn't aware of this, but I'm looking it up right now. It looks like it's an Indiegogo. Yeah. And uh, they're hiring, they're looking for backers. So if you guys want to see this remade, you can go. I We are not affiliated with this at all. I just want to <laughs> put that out there. Uh, we don't know anything about it. I just no, happen yep. to find it. If you want to back it, own. go Search to Indiegogo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with, you know, whether they try to take a serious approach. or What, what element of this film do they really kind of go for? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm because I'm sure most like the stage plays and everything go for the the camp and the bathing beauties mm-hmm. and the the leering men mm-hmm. uh, portion of it and don't and leave the leave the actual truly horrific themes behind, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because those are the most interesting things about the film. It's yeah, just, they are. It's <laughs> I just had the thought, you know, it's like. It's almost in reverse. It's like someone went to make a porno and a, and a <laughs> sci-fi horror showed up. You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I totally agree. It, it feels so much like that. Like they were like, well, no, we can't really do this kind of stuff. Or, oh, we were, we had all these women lined up, but then they also they wouldn't take their clothes off. So we'll just do it this way instead. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, I guess we need to rate it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like the way you said that. I guess we need to rate it. <laughs> yeah. Meaning meaning I think you should go first. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, IMDb has it at 4.2 4. out of 10. And it's one of those movies that I really want to be able to rate it higher. And yeah. I can't. I no. just can't. It has a couple of redeeming factors in it. 
Um, you know, again, I love Doris. Doris is my favorite character in it. I think some of Jan's moments are pretty powerful. Um, I, it, 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 I, I almost said something about the ending. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not, in, I'll say I'm not entirely satisfied with the ending. If you guys no. want to know why, then you can contact me on Facebook <laughs> on, uh, the Orphaned Entertainment Facebook group and say, tell us, Lydia, tell us why. But, uh, I can't in good conscience, give it more than two out of five stars, but I won't in good conscience give it more than one star. All right. <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, yeah, be, just because, yeah, it's, it's all those really great themes that are like, it's like the, it walks right to the edge and then goes, no, I'm going to go back the other way. Yep. You know, it, it takes two steps forward and three steps back yes. every single time. Mm-hmm. And if it would, if it had taken any of those steps and stood there, I would probably give it at least a two. But I, I think I'm, I'm with you. I just can't because I, it just, yeah, I want just to didn't. give it two. I do. I really want to give it at least two stars. There, there are some effects in it that are, you know, believable. But it is an incredibly low budget movie. You can tell, <laughs> and yes. it, it, it misses the mark on, you know. Yeah, ninety eight percent of what it's trying to portray. Yeah, no, I think. I'm the same way. I want to give it that too, just because of it. Almost did, and then just the fact that it was, it was so close to being really the movie that could have sparked the 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 sea change in horror film. Yes, yeah, but it didn't, and then we had to wait six more years before <laughs> yeah. Night of the Living Dead. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it could have been. The brain that wouldn't die. There, there could be tours of the brain that wouldn't die. There house could be right, <laughs> and there just won't be because you would have to have be. women standing with a bunch of middle-aged men photographing them to complete the movie. Exactly, and that's just weird. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so ones from both of us. One out of five. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. brain that wouldn't yeah, die. Sorry, brain that wouldn't die. I. Sorry, Doris. Sorry, Jan. <laughs> it's not your fault, girls. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> not your two girls' fault, anyway. <laughs> no. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah, I well. know. Oh, I yeah. was hoping. I was hoping. I had high hopes. I gotta say, the opening to this movie, when we were discussing what movie we were gonna watch next, I just hit play on it real quick, and it starts off the creepiest of any movie I've ever seen. Don't they do a great job oh, with Jan's it's voice? Oh, so great. It's, it's, I it's immediately played said, with a little we, bit. I, yeah, I was thinking yes. at first I thought it was just her whispering or whatever. Like, no, I think they, they do. I don't know what they do because this is long before digital audio or mm-hmm. anything. But they doctor her voice to give it sort of like a... Like she doesn't have lungs. <laughs> well, yeah, almost like a a little bit like a, of, a, of a metallic sound maybe. Mm-hmm. There's something done to it mm-hmm. that just adds to the sort of the creepiness but to it's, it and it's so pathetic and it's mm-hmm. so tragic that first little intro which we didn't even talk about guys so if you want to know what i'm talking about pull I, up this movie I, and watch it i plan on <laughs> i plan on opening this episode with that actually yeah oh ah, okay never mind ah that's perfect so you did hear yeah. it. uh but i i think it's just it drew me in immediately and i had really high hopes for this movie and they were dashed on the they were left to die on the operating table yeah you know the first maybe 20 30 minutes of this film you're kind of like okay all right i'm yeah okay some of the dialogue not so great creepy some of the dad longest scenes yeah. of creepy, bad creepy, operating ever yeah 
<laughs> you got creepy dad talking creepy about, dad. you know, hey, when you guys get married, I'm going to, it's not going to be as much fun. Like, that's gr- that's <laughs> gross. You know, whatever. But still, okay, I'm with you. And then soon as Bill goes out and goes, hey, you got a nice body. I'm looking for, From you know. From the first uh, leer at that cardboard cutout. Yep, and that's where it stopped. That's where any hope for this film ends. That's where the film did die. Yeah. I brought that back around for... Yeah, the the brain that wouldn't (laughs) die, but the film died. Immediately. (laughs) Within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. It's so unfortunate. The film that wouldn't live. (laughs) (laughs) Aw. Well, strangely enough, though, it has lived. I mean, can you believe that that this thing has lived for, what, let's see, 62, so 50-some-plus years? Oh, my gosh. 57 years? Is that right? Uh, something like that? You want yeah. me to do math? No. <laughs> yes, 57. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's still in people's minds. It's still washed. It's still gone back to, like I said, I, stage showed, plays, remakes. Yeah. If you showed this to an eight-year-old, it would probably terrify the heck out of him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I wouldn't show it to an eight-year-old. No, I wouldn't. Of, Trying to raise them to be better people than yeah, what no, no, no. here in the them film. To normalize <laughs> leering at half-naked women. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it. Uh, we'll be back in another month. Thank you very much for listening and uh, bearing with us on this <laughs> film. If you watched it ahead of us uh, before listening. We apologize. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, but we apologize. I don't quite apologize, but, you know, we should probably warn people from now on. You might get some stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, we've definitely we've definitely hit a few in our, like, what, in six our plus years, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But if you did watch it and if you listened to the show and we brought up some points and it got you thinking, or if you had the thought while you were watching the film, absolutely drop us a line at orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. Or come to the Facebook group and leave a comment there and tell us what you think. And, you know, because we, we, we'd love to, we'd absolutely love to hear your, mm-hmm. your thoughts on this film. But, yep, yeah, until then, that is going to do it. Lydia, thank you very much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, so we'll talk to you again in a month. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>